So welcome everyone to a next episode of Immersion into Coaching organized by Noble Manhattan Switzerland. Me, I am the host Julia Kurt, Managing Director of Switzerland Noble Manhattan. And today I've got the privilege and the honor to welcome Susie Dersher and she is the long-standing executive coach in Switzerland. She's amongst the elite and the best executive coaches chosen by Zurich and in Switzerland. And she's an alumni of Noble Manhattan. Welcome, Susie. Hi there, Julia. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. And nice to hear you. Nice to listen to you. So with no further ado, it's not mine. It's Susie who's going to talk. So, Susie, tell us a bit about yourself and your coaching journey, because I'm sure our listeners would like to know, get inspired by your journey and how you stumbled across Noble Manhattan and your story, basically. Okay, thanks, Julia. I, I started late. I didn't actually start coaching or being interested in coaching until I was 49 or 50. And coaching was relatively new then. I'm 67 now, so I'm past retirement age, so which is great. Um, and I was living in London at the time, and people had been telling me, you should be a coach, you should be a coach. But because it was new, and it was, you know, it was big in America, and it was just starting to come up as in, in my field or in my area that I knew of in London, in England, um, I didn't really know much about it. So because people have kept telling me you should become a coach, you should become a coach, I bought the book by John Whitmore that was out there at the time. And I don't remember what it was called, but it was about coaching. And I generally didn't understand a word. I had no idea what they were talking about. Because I didn't come, I didn't come from a business background, you know, I had been working in in, in as a personal assistant or, or through auction houses. And my thing was always with people, but support, it was always supporting people. But when it came to structure and like, you know, as far as I was concerned, this was all business language. I had no idea what they were talking about. So I, um, I read the book, I put it aside and I went and did something else. And then it started coming up again because all of a sudden, you know, as life has it, when I, I love to say when the pupil is ready the master appears you know all of a sudden I'd see posters or I'd I I think I had a relatively new email account I mean maybe it was new to me not the world but but I got for some reason I got a an email from Noble Manhattan about an introduction to coaching by Gerard and a couple of others in London, the Coaching Academy, which I don't even know if it still exists, and one other one. So because I was in London, I went to these introduction days. And the one I walked away with was Gerard. I loved his energy. I loved Noble Manhattan. I loved the approach. Um, I just thought I was just hooked on it and sold by it. And I, I, it, it said, or Gerard was saying everything I believed about life and personal development and about moving forward. Now, again, I had no idea about executive life, okay? I mean, I was married to an executive, but at this time in my life, I was actually with a professional artist. So it wasn't, you know, I'd come away from banking and executive. My father was an executive in it. In it. So I, I knew a bit, of, I experienced the people side of it, but I didn't know much about it. Anyhow, Noble Manhattan really appealed to me. The others didn't really. Okay. Then I decided to leave London and move to Switzerland 
um, I think I was, I think I turned 50 when I moved to Switzerland. And I, what I loved about the Noble Manhattan course was I had to apply all the work to myself. Mm-hmm. Anything I was going to do with clients, I had to look at in my own personal life. And I thought, this is a brilliant course to do even for your own personal growth. And some of my colleagues at the time, my study buddies at the time, they never went on to do it professionally. They just loved the fact that they grew with this course. And it was, I just, it was everything I was looking for. And I did, um, I went back to London after I had qualified. So this was maybe 17 years ago. Wow. In Switzerland, um, I thought, of course, being an American, being native English speaking, having grown up around executives, you know, having been married to a banker in London and on Wall Street, I thought, you know, this world was, was, you know, it was okay because I didn't have to know that part of it because I had studied coaching, mm-hmm. which in my opinion was around your listening skills, yep. your questioning skills, yep. and knowing, you know, knowing the boundaries as to when you're overstepping when you can look at a limiting belief versus when you're overstepping into therapy. Wow. And and values. So I really benefited hugely from the course. Because I was now in Switzerland and I was native English speaking and I knew Switzerland and I thought it would be so easy and everybody would want me. (laughs) There was no such thing, literally no such thing. They didn't know what coaching was. They were suspicious. There were too many people that were consultants that are that were were decided. You know, this new buzzword was coaching. They would be coaches, and they were very leading in their in their um, in their sessions. And I didn't have a business background, so people in business didn't really trust me. So I was doing very much a lot of the life coaching, which is now personal development, you know, same thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, And I, you know, it was, it was always, actually, I say I was native English speaking and I thought I'd get all the native English speaking expats, but I didn't realize that native English speaking expats were a small percentage nowadays Mm -hmm. when I had grown up here. When I'd grown up here, the um, expats, the native English, the Americans, made a huge percentage up of the foreigners. But they're all—they've all gone in the meantime. When I came back after 32 years um, to Switzerland, mm-hmm. so it was only maybe 10 years ago that the businesses started realizing that a lot of what they were doing with their employees wasn't actually preventing burnout wasn't preventing people from chopping and changing, wasn't making things better, that people understood very clearly in their heads what 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 they what they should be doing differently. But as we both know, when you actually have to follow through mm-hmm. with an action, especially if you're working with a business person who has a limited number of minutes a day for themselves, yeah. go home to families, um, it's not that easy. It's it's really it's the, you know so companies started realizing that. So I started getting hired to replace executive coaches, which quite frankly terrified me. You know, I didn't 
Because in the meantime, there were executive coaching certificates, diplomas, PhDs. Coaching was being taught at universities. It, it had become a big thing. And in the business world, it was very much in your head, you know, and it's like what HR says. And so then I decided to study. Uh, I was I was very lucky. And, and again, when the pupil's ready, the master appears. This neuroscience and coaching came into my life, mm. and through a great guy Andy Habermacher, who who had a was doing a course, and so I did that, and I loved it from the point of view that I was able to speak a slightly different language to executives, business mm. people, okay, able to explain how the brain works when it comes to behavior change. So I was able to give them something to hold on to mentally you know yeah. because i knew that that my work was going to be deeper mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. be connecting your intellect with your emotional side mm -hmm. because it's a lot about triggers so i started using the word executive coach but quite frankly i always did the same thing so, but I knew my, I knew my limitations when it came yeah. to what I could offer business people. You know, I wasn't going to take on um, team coaching. I wasn't going to take on all sorts of things that companies need. Mm -hmm. That was not my strength. Okay. I knew, I had learned from life experience because of my age, from professional experience and from life again, life again, my own yeah. life settling back into Switzerland that my strength really was intuitive. Okay. I had to, that, that I, I, uh, I would listen to in between the lines what I'm not being told. Mm. Right. So I realized, okay, that's, that's, a, that's, I don't know what it is because I don't question. I don't look into it. I just figure it's there. It's how I work. It's what wow. I can offer. And um, it's really what I'm, what I'm, what people hire me for now. Is that, is that, and I don't, I'm not a kind of coach that believes in, you know, sign up for a package. We have to have 12 sessions and we're going to do this methodology. And, and I'm, I'm really more, I like to go in and work with people that are emotionally triggered. You know, if they're really, really stressed, how can they, what can they do for themselves? Mm, lovely, lovely. So how did you find your strength how did you because it's difficult to find your strength yeah oh. how did you notice it uh, with difficulty yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i um i learned after i had qualified now remember this is in 2006 or mm. even, yeah 2006 that i needed to fall back on what i had learned on the methodology on the structure that i had learned yeah but I needed to literally learn how to, and have the confidence to fall back on that if necessary mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in a session. So not to go into a session with a with any kind of pressure of, of believing that I had to um, that, that you know that there was a certain type of result that was being looked for because. Yeah. I mean, it's really quite hard to explain, Julia. I'm sorry about this. I, I'm not very good at explaining it, but I, I found that I was better, and this is how I found my strength. When I didn't, when I took the pressure off myself to follow a methodology, to follow 
um, particular goals, you know, the, the client might say the goal is this and that, but actually during the session, I would hear a limiting belief would come up. Mm -hmm. So depending on the client, depending on what we were talking about, depending on how much time they had and where they were at, I would say, I'd like to look at the limiting belief. Okay. Okay. Sometimes, however, there is a specific goal. They want to focus on something very much business related and you have to go there. Yeah. So it's the flexibility, allowing myself the flexibility. Correct. To, to go, to go with what the, where the client's at, what they need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really trusting in myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it, I don't know if that explains it at all. Yeah, but no, no, it, it comes, it's interesting, it's inspiring because that's what we also sometimes try to figure out. What is my strength within coaching or what is it always called? It's like this niching, right? You need to, you need to find your niche. You need to find your unique value proposition and all that stuff, right? Yeah. It's getting Absolutely. difficult. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, I was at a fair working on behalf of Noble Manhattan years and years and years ago and, uh, Gerard had a, stand, a Noble Manhattan stand and we were in some one of the big Olympia or something like that and and he had put me with a couple of other coaches into the Psychology Today magazine uh, stand or whatever you want to call it where we were giving taster coaching sessions. Wow. Now so you're sitting in there in all of this noise with someone who's walking into psychology today stand <laughs> who sits down it could not have been more challenging <laughs> and that was when I, I learned two things at that time there um i learned that go with literally just go with where they're at mm -hmm. where they're at like why are you here what do you want to get out of this yeah and we had 10 minutes oh my god so in those 10 minutes, it was to show, I was aware that it was to show the the person who had walked in um, what, what how, how coaching is different and, and how effective it could be. And ideally that they should walk away with an insight. Yeah. Right? You can't do more no. in those 10 minutes in those circumstances. Then during a break, I went and I walked around and there were all these business coaches and there's this coach and that coach, everybody who had decided on a particular niche. Yeah. And I walked away even more confused thinking, <laughs> I have no idea. I'm supposed to have a niche. I don't know what my niche is. I don't, you know, it was, it was, I, my conclusion was basically that I'm the product. Yeah. Right. That was that was that, you know, in America, they always talk about have an elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. And um, my conclusion there was I'm actually the product, someone who wants to work with me and the and, and the elevator pitch. If I want to talk to them about talk to them about what the coaching could do for them, it's about shifting something. Yeah. Either an action step or a thought or plant a seed of some sorts. Okay. Okay. So in the end, when it comes to your question about a niche and everybody having a niche, um, I think, honestly, I think all that is just marketing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, because it's very important now, after all these years, the competition in coaching is ginormous. Yes, it is. 
There's enormous, there's lots of coaches. I saw an article in the local Zurich newspaper the other day that said, are there more coaches than bankers now? Well, yeah, although I, I would doubt that. I don't think so. There are more bankers than coaches still. <laughs> Probably. But you know, there's, 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 co my opinion now is there's coaches that are younger coaches, newer coaches, startup coaches. They're focusing on something. They've done a certain studying. They, they work with a certain methodology. And if their clients, whoever is attracted to work with them gets the results they're looking for, then that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I know that, that I don't, I know what I can deliver and I can, I can be there with someone, I can hold their space, I can support them and I can, once trust is built, you know, yeah. that natural rapport and trust is built, then you can go a little bit deeper with someone, but never overstepping that mark into psychology or into traditional therapies. Yeah, absolutely, Susie. And you're saying, right, you know, you are the brand, actually. Whatever you do, wherever you niche, or whatever you call yourself as a coach, you are the brand, right? You are the one because you're unique. That's you. Yeah, and exactly. And each one is unique. Each one, ha each one has something to, different to offer. They've, we've all studied coaching, so we're going to have a certain kind of framework to work by. We're right. all ideally going to believe in that. Um, we're not going to be judgmental. We're not, we're going to listen properly. That's what I loved about the Noble Manhattan course. You know, when they said, I'll never forget. They said, if you're thinking while you're listening, you're not listening. Yeah. You're thinking. And that, that is a real skill. And it's, but it's, but it's actually was very brilliant, uh, brilliant with Noble Manhattan. The, the, I did the practitioner coach diploma way back i'm sure it's changed in the meantime but i don't i don't know I'm, it would only have gotten better yeah well the name is the same right but the modules most likely have been fleshed out even more we've got so many webinars and recordings and i don't know what and correct it's all about listening and we spent because i just did it recently right one and a half two years ago i did my diploma and uh, it's really about listening all these levels level one level two level three being 600 uh, 360 degrees with oh, yeah. your yeah with your brain your mind your body and soul to listen to someone yeah. and you know when you're going back to level two which is a bit of thinking and then you need to go back again to real listening yeah that's yeah. that's absolutely right yeah, because, you know, you're also working to a time frame. Yeah. You have a, a specific, uh, you know, you have a specific number of minutes. Yeah. And in my experience, frequently, if if the coaching is about the client having an aha moment and what I call an insight, that can literally happen in the last five to ten minutes. Yeah. And you've got to have the confidence and the courage to stay in that space with them. Yeah. But also sometimes you have to take over and lead a little bit. To a conclusion, you know, so, and I think, I think it was just, uh, getting to know myself by studying with no one hand, getting to know myself and working through all of my stuff is what really helped me. The, I've done other courses. I studied in New York with Laura Berman-Forkan, who was one of the first coaches. And she, I think she was one of the founding members of the ICF. Mm -hmm. That was also brilliant. Yeah. That that was brilliant. She's and she was more like Noble Manhattan, but American. Mm. You know, because one has to also remember there's different cultures here. Yeah. Not everybody's attracted to what how Americans are. 
Yeah, that's yeah. correct. That's correct. What's your take on accreditation, though? Um, are you talking about the different kinds of accreditation or having accreditation? Having having an accreditation. I think it's important to have an accreditation. Yeah. I think it's important because I think it's important for oneself, and I don't know how important it is to the potential client. There was a time here in Switzerland where, when the ICF was was pushing, 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 when there was no other accreditation in Switzerland other than what the ICF was doing, um, where the ICF was marketing it that you had to only ICF accredited coaches, and and I think that's fair enough because mm-hmm. an accreditation means that you're going to stay within guidelines, mm. you know, because there's too many people that work outside of the framework right. of coaching. And I've witnessed how people work outside the framework of coaching, and then they can't catch the client. Yeah, you know, yeah. and what I mean by catching the client is if you take someone into an area that's actually psychology, you better be qualified. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I have no, I have no hesitation to saying this is what I'm qualified. I mean, one could use also the accredited to do. But I think it's important. I think it's important because it's not a, um, it's not a, a, what is it? What's the word? Um, you know, like the traditional therapies, you can get paid by the health insurance here. Yeah, correct. It's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I think it's important. I think it's important yes. for the uh, for the for the coach as well. Correct. Correct. Right. And to know and to ethics and your guidelines and so on and so forth. It's I I think so as well. It's very, very important. Now we've got different uh, accreditation bodies as well. So, yeah. Now there's loads and loads of different ones. Yeah. And everybody's, you know, I think I think they're fast tracking a bit more now to let coaches through. But I still think it is important for the coach to have to do that extra work and have those extra hours. And, and to really meet those ethics and those standards and to be held accountable to that. So I think it's important. Thank you. Thank you. So you were talking about coaching courses, but also people who didn't want to be actually coaches who wanted just to have personal development. So personal I development meaning, that. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they knew that when they signed up. I think they were... I think they wanted to, but I think then in the end, they felt it was actually too difficult uh, uh-huh. to, to follow through because it's not an easy business to build up. No. And in the, remember in those days, there wasn't that much competition, but now mm. there is. So it's, I, I strongly recommend anybody to have two hats, a business hat and that they put on when they're running their business, when they're thinking about marketing, when they're thinking about their website, when they're thinking about LinkedIn, when they're thinking about whatever they do for their business, if they're out networking. But then I believe strongly, because I know this is the case for me, you put on a different hat when you're coaching. Wow, I love that. This is a golden nugget. Oh, right, okay, completely different hat. I am not the same businesswoman as I am the coach. Absolutely not. And I will, as a businesswoman, I've made some huge mistakes from a business point of view in that I've, I mean, I did it recently. I told the client, um, you know, I don't think this is the right time. You're not gonna get out of this what you're what you're looking for because this is not the right time. You're too busy, et cetera, et cetera. Come back to me when you're ready. So as a businesswoman, of course, you're screaming. Yes. I, why would you do that? 
But as a coach, I know I was delivering quality and I like to stand by the quality that can be delivered. And that that doesn't mean that I'm right for everyone. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. That goes back actually to your values, you know? Yes, yeah. Kind of. Yeah, absolutely. We need to have two hats. The business world is different when you build up your business versus doing coaching. Absolutely. 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 Very, very different person. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So, Susie, we're coming to the end. It was really nice and inspiring to listen to you and how you started and how you stumbled across your experience, etc. Anything else for our audience, which can be existing coaches, coaches to be, or personal development freaks? Any closing remarks? Okay. Don't be judgmental. Don't judge yourself and don't judge the other person. And definitely don't believe that you have the answers for the other person. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is brilliant about proper coaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do not have the answers. You are not a consultant. And so don't don't judge yourself and don't don't judge the per any don't judge anybody. <laughs> Correct, actually. <laughs> That's clients. <laughs> yes. Be inclusive, right? Inclusivity. We've got this wonderful word now, being inclusive. <laughs> Is that the latest buzzword? Okay. Yeah, the, that's the latest the buzzword. Buzzwords have changed over the years that I don't I don't keep track of them anymore. Okay, inclusivity. Great. <laughs> Good. All right. Good, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, Susie. We appreciate it. And here we close another Immersion into Coaching podcast with Noble Manhattan. Thanks very much, Susie. And audience, stay tuned for other podcasts. You're more than welcome. A pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.